Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. We just wanna make you aware of a couple things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching at Hope Church LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, hopechurchonline.com. There, you can find out more information about who we are and where we are headed as a church. Once again, thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. Please let us know if there's any questions you have or any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. This summer, as a church family, we've been walking verse by verse through the 145th chapter of the book of Psalms in a series that we have entitled Deep Dive. And I don't know how this series has been in your life, but for me, my perspective on who God is is never going to be the same because of the way God has used this series in my life. This has been a tremendous summer for me spiritually, specifically because God is using the things he's teaching us as a church to really shape my heart and shape my perspective. I hope that this series has been significant for you and that you have been journeying with us in the sermons that we've been looking at. You've been memorizing these verses and hiding God's word in your heart. And I hope you've been processing what we're learning in some type of community, some type of context with other believers. Well, today, as we continue our study and as we begin, I want to show you a word that can be used to describe someone or something. And here's the word. Enough. When you see this word, what bubbles up in your mind, what surfaces in your heart, what comes to mind immediately for you when you see the word enough? If you look up the definition of this word when it is used to describe someone or something, here are a few of the results. Fully able to meet all demands, needs, or expectations. Being as much as is needed. Possessing ample power or supply sufficient. When you saw this word pop up a moment ago, was there any part of you that thought about God? We're going to look at Psalm 145 today, and we're going to discover that we should associate this word enough with who God is. And we're going to look at the fact that the category of being more than enough is reserved for God, both in this life as well as the life to come. So if you have a copy of the Bible today, would you turn with me? to Psalm chapter 145. Hannah has already led us in a time to quote our scripture from the past week. I hope you'll take the card that was in your seat as you came in. And this week, we're going to be memorizing verses 15 and 16. We're going to come ready next Sunday to all quote those verses out loud together. Let's read them today from God's word. Psalm 145, starting in verse 15. The eyes of all look to you, referring to God. 
and you give them their food in due time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. These verses tell us yet another amazing attribute of God. And here it is. God is always enough. God is always enough. And I want to share that with you in a statement that's a little bit more applicable for just our personal life today. Everything I need is ultimately found in him. Everything that we need is ultimately found in him. I want to ask you something. And I don't want you to answer out loud, and I don't want to ask you to be super spiritual. But as you think about your life, do you believe this? Do you believe that more than you need anything else, you need him? And he is ultimately enough. The great pastor Tony Evans made this statement in one of his books. Most Christians do not actually believe that God is more than enough. Too often, God is the last one that we appeal to. And so we wind up becoming spiritually emaciated, unable to handle the ups and downs of life. I do believe that God is always enough. And what I want to do during our time together, straight out of the scripture, is I want to share with you three reasons that God is always enough. And I hope today that it will be both biblically clarifying and just refreshing for you to look at these reasons why our God is always enough. Here's the first reason today. God is my salvation. The first reason that he is always enough is because in him we find salvation. We can't talk about everything we need ultimately being found in the Lord and not first address eternity. As a church, we believe that everyone will spend eternity somewhere. And what determines where we spend eternity is whether or not we have a relationship with God. The man who wrote this psalm was named David. And he wrote this as someone who had a relationship with God. We see that, we see that by the way he opened this chapter. We talked about it on our very first week of this series. But look at how David opened Psalm chapter 145 and verse 1. He said, I will extol you, my God. David related to God in a personal way. He wrote this entire psalm relating to God, not based off a religious ritual or some type of moral standard. He related to God based on a relationship. In another psalm that David wrote, Psalm 27, Listen to the way that he described God. He said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? 
The word salvation is a word that means deliverance. It means rescue. You could say it this way. God delivers us and God rescues us. In him, we find salvation. Now, I'm aware that in a room like this, there may very well be some people. And as you hear me talk about God being our salvation, what you think is this. Pastor, that's great for you. I'm glad that you found fulfillment in that. But I'm actually good. Like I don't necessarily think I need the salvation you're talking about that comes from God. Or maybe that's not you today, but maybe that's someone you know. And you've been in conversation with them around the gospel and the salvation that is offered through a relationship with God. And their thought is, I'm good. As I thought about that this week, and my heart was just burdened by it, I thought about if I could sit down and maybe just share a meal with you or someone who has that perspective, what would I say? Like if someone were to tell me right now, God, Travis, I don't think I need that. What would I communicate? Well, here's what I really think I would want to share. I would want to share a couple of examples that I believe reveal why all of us need God's salvation. And here would be the first example. The message of the Bible. We believe that these words are the words of God. That he inspired them and that this book is unlike any other book. This book is living and active. And the message of the Bible is really one story, one message. And it is God's love for people. Earlier this year, we walked through a series as a church called Pages, the story of God's love through the Bible. And during that series, we talked about God creating the world to be inhabited by people who would love him and be loved by him. But something happened. Humanity, you and I, rebelled against God. And when we did, sin entered the world. And when sin entered the world, everything changed. As humans, we were separated from this relationship with the God who loves us, and we became spiritually dead. So because of that, God being a deliverer, And God being a rescuer should be a big deal because scripture says every person on the planet comes into the world separated from God and spiritually dead. And both of those things have eternal implications. So if I could just share my heart with someone who would say, I don't need God's salvation. Well, according to scripture, which is our ultimate source of truth, we all do. We all need God's salvation. The second thing that I would just share by way of example, if we could sit across a dinner table, is I would not only give the example of the message of the Bible, but I would also give an example of the condition of the world. Unless you've alienated yourself from society, you know that our world is so, so broken. I mean, no one observes what is taking place in any society on the planet and says the world as a whole is headed in the right direction. Our world is broken and it's getting worse. So what's the answer? The Bible's saying that we're broken personally. As we look at society, we know that things are broken and things are only getting worse. 
what's the answer? Like, how does that change? What is the solution for our brokenness and the brokenness of our planet? Well, I believe what every person in the world is yearning for is only found in a love relationship with God. I believe it is the salvation of God that is the solution, that is the answer for our own personal brokenness and the brokenness of our world. Here's the incredible news that we call the gospel. God made a way for us to be forgiven of sin, made right with him, and given eternal life. The Bible summarizes it in John chapter 3. Here's what the scripture says. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. You see, through Jesus, God invites us into a right relationship with himself. And what we need more than we need anything else is salvation that is only found in a relationship with God. And if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with God, we believe as a church that more than you need anything else, you need salvation that can only come through a relationship with God. Dr. Charles Stanley summarized this in a, in a book that he wrote called My Unmet Needs. And I want to read just a portion of that book. He said this, every human being ever born and every human being alive today has had one need in common. This need is the most basic one of life and ultimately is the only essential need. It is the need to be forgiven of one's sinful nature and come into a right relationship with God so that one might experience an abundant life now and in eternity thereafter. One of the great truths is this. All other needs are secondary to this need to be born again spiritually. That's the truth. That's the gospel. And one of the reasons that I can stand before you today and say everything that we need is ultimately found in God is because it is only through a relationship with him that we experience salvation. God is always enough because in God there is salvation, deliverance, and rescue from the sin that has plagued humanity because of our choice to rebel against God, because of God and his love, we can be made right with him, forgiven of our sin, and given life, not just for today, but for eternity. So that's the first reason today. The first reason God is always enough is because God is my salvation. So there are some needs that we're going to talk about within this passage, but the ultimate need today is the need for a relationship with God. Here's a second reason today that God is always enough. God is my source. God is my salvation. But God is also my source. Four times in these verses, the psalmist says, you or your in reference to God. So as he talks about specifically the provision for needs that exist among people. Four times he directs his attention to God. Why? Because God is the ultimate source for our 
provision. Now, as we talk about our needs being met, there's a couple of very important distinctions that I think need some clarity. First of all, there's a difference between a source and a resource. There's a difference. So here's what that means, and here's the difference. Your job is not your source. Your boss is not your source. Your abilities are not your source. It is ultimately God and no one else who provides for our needs. Everything else is simply a resource. This category of being our source is reserved for God and God alone. Everything else is just a resource. A second distinction that I think is really important is this. There's a difference between needs and wants. You know that, right? There's a difference between needs and wants. Now, how do you define or clarify the difference? Well, normally it's really hard to distinguish. So I've written a couple statements that I think really clarify for us. A need is something that makes life possible. A want is something that makes life easier. A need is something that makes life possible. A want is something that makes life easier. Some of us need that taped on the top of our computer screen when we're searching Amazon or when we go to the store, we need to put it on our hand or something to remind ourselves about the difference between a need and a want, especially in our part of the world. Because depending on where you travel around the globe, a needs and wants can be different. But for us today, we need to know there's a difference between a need and a want. And what is being referenced in this passage is God meeting our needs. God meeting these things that make life possible. And in verse 15, he gets really practical about some of our needs. And to unpack verse 15, what I want to share is three quick reminders about God as our source that I think will bring some clarity to what David writes here in verse 15. The first thing I want to remind you today as it relates to God as your source is this. He knows what I need. God knows what I need and what you need. Verse 15 begins by saying, the eyes of all look to you. He is the source to which we look. Not to inform him about our needs because he knows those things. But we look to him because he is the ultimate source of our provision and the only one who can meet our needs. Another great example in the Psalms of how God cares for us is Psalm 23. The chapter describes the Lord as our shepherd and it describes us as his sheep. And I love that comparison because for the sheep, the shepherd takes care of everything. And here's what we can know today. God is our shepherd and he knows what we need spiritually, physically, and for eternity. He knows what I need. Here's a second reminder. He knows when I need what I need. Not only does God know what I need, all eyes look to him as the one who sees what we need, but he also knows when we need what we need. The second part of verse 15 says this, and you give them their food in due time. 
This phrase means timing that is proper or suitable. I don't know how you're wired, but I'm really anal about like schedules and time. Like when I'm late to something, I like start sweating. <laughs> like I really take this thing of being on time and being at the right place at the right time. I really take that serious. Now, God had the sense of humor to bring me together with my wife, Shar, because my philosophy is if you're not 15 minutes early, you're late. Her philosophy is if you're 15 minutes late, you're early. So we struggle when it comes to timing. I'm sure all of us have had some situation we've walked through when our timeline did not align with God's timeline. If you're a fixer like me and really anal about time, I'm sure that was difficult for you just like it was difficult for me. But based on what the scripture tells us and the fact that God will meet our needs in the proper time, we can know that his timing and his plan are perfect and they're better than our timing and our plan. I really struggle sometimes because I love to acknowledge that God's economy is not like our economy. Like we can approach our father and know he has resources that, that we don't even understand. His economy is not our economy, and I love that. Yet, I struggle when I have to acknowledge that his timing is not always my timing. See, the Bible says that God's ways are not our ways. And that reflects both in his economy as well as in his timetable. But we can know today that God is our source. And he not only knows what we need, he also knows when we need what we need. Here's a third reminder this morning about God as our source. He promises to give me what I need. He knows what I need. He knows when I need what I need. And he promises to give me what I need. Verse 15 says, you give them. God gives people what they need. Now, once again, God doesn't promise to give me everything I want, but he does promise to give me everything that I need. Now, there are some teachers who would look at this third reminder and drift incorrectly to what I would refer to as prosperity teaching as it relates to a person's needs being met. This prosperity teaching is referred to in multiple ways. For example, it's been called name it and claim it, health and wealth, and my personal favorite, blab it and grab it. <laughs> now, there's nothing wrong with praying big prayers. Our God can do anything and he can change anybody. But there's a difference in approaching God humbly to plead with him to move or to act or to demonstrate his power versus assuming that somehow we can strong arm him into doing what we want or just because we say something, he's obligated to do it. This whole movement that is so evident in our society of prosperity teaching incorrectly assumes that we can turn prayer into a tool and make God grant our wishes. That's not true. It is focused on man, not God, and it leads to selfish, shallow, superficial prayers that don't bring God glory. 
And this perspective of somehow God being obligated to do what we say is the exact opposite of the heart of Jesus when he spoke the model prayer. And he said, Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think there's a passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 6 that summarizes all three of these very, very clearly and gives us insight towards the heart of God when it comes to his provision for people. Matthew chapter 6 says this, don't be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, not for your body as to what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. And then he finishes this way. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You see, it's one thing to approach God and try to drag him onto our terms. It's something altogether different, as we see here in Matthew chapter 6, to approach God on his terms. And trust that as we make him, him being known the priority... He will take care of us. God is our salvation. God is our source. And the third reason today that we can know with assurance that God is always enough is because God is my satisfaction. God is my satisfaction. Verse 16 says, God, you open your hand. And you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The word satisfy is a word that means to have plenty, to have enough. And in the context of these verses, it has both practical and spiritual implications. On the practical side, God is saying, I'm going to meet your needs. I'm going to satisfy you with what I provide for you. On the spiritual side, a relationship with God ought to bring more joy, satisfaction, and pleasure than any other relationship, activity, or material possession in life. That's the truth. A relationship with God should bring us more satisfaction than anything else in life. Yet, I encounter a lot of Jesus followers who are living unsatisfied, unfulfilled lives. And I think some of it has to do with an understanding of God meeting needs. Because in many of the conversations that I have of people who are saying, look, I'm unsatisfied, I'm fulfilled. One of the mistakes that is often made is we assume that we should bombard God with requests without actually seeking his heart and a deep relationship with him. Now, that's in direct contradiction to the scripture because what the scripture tells us is that satisfaction is found through a relationship with God, not simply by our requests being answered 
how we want and when we want. There are many people who have a false assumption about how they should approach God and what that needs to look like. Satisfaction is found in God and God alone, not in simply what God can provide for us. One of the verses that normally comes up in conversations like this is Psalm 37, 4, where God promises to give us the desires of our heart. And I've listened to many Christians struggle with that because they ask God for something that they really felt like was a desire in their heart. And in their words, he left them hanging. One of the mistakes that many people make with Psalm 37 and verse 4 is they don't read the whole verse. Because the first part of that verse says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. This week as I was spending time with God, one of the devotions I read every day is Experiencing God Day by Day by Henry Blackaby. And there was a devotion this week specifically on Psalm 37 and verse 4. I want you to look at what Dr. Blackaby said about this verse. Have you been asking God to give you the desires of your heart without first seeking to understand what is on his heart? What a great question. God places this important requirement for those who pray, that we seek his priorities and make them our own. This great qualifier presents us, prevents us from asking out of selfishness. As we find joy in the Lord, we will see what is truly important. And we will long for the things, we will long for these things as the Father does. We can find our ultimate satisfaction in God. But that starts by seeking his heart and seeking a depth in our relationship with him. Because when that happens, it changes what's on our heart. It changes what we desire. It changes our level of patience. And it changes how we trust God to do what he has promised to do. I really believe that everything we need is ultimately found in the Lord. He is always enough. And three biblical realities that we can stand upon today. He's more than enough because we find salvation in him. He's always enough for us because he is our source of provision. And he is always enough because only he can satisfy the deepest longing of our soul and the needs that we have at this moment. And that is what Psalm 145 tells us about God always being enough. I want to invite you to bow your head this morning. We're going to transition now, just like we do every Sunday, to just some moments to respond to God. So I want you to think just right where you are. How is God speaking to you? How is God directing you today? You may be here, and as you have just been a part of this service, you've realized very quickly this salvation, this rescue that we keep talking about, you've never experienced. And you know in this moment that you do not have a relationship with God. You may have religion. You may have good church attendance. 
but you don't have an intimate love relationship with God. If that's you, I want you to know God loves you. And he has made a way for you to be made right with him in a relationship and be given life, not just for today, but life for eternity. Just a moment, we're going to stand together and sing a song. And when we do, I want to invite you, if you need a relationship with God today, to come forward. We're going to have some pastors here at the front. And all you have to say is, I need a relationship with God. And we would love to connect you with a volunteer who can show you from the Bible how you can begin a relationship with God today. For others of us, maybe God's speaking to you about your perspective on God being your source versus other resources. Maybe you've found yourself in a place where you're depending on resources and not looking to the ultimate source of your provision. Maybe you've made some mistakes, you've made some bad decisions, your perspectives, your perspective has just been incorrect for a while. And what you need to do today is you just need to call out to God. And you may want to come forward on these steps and just kneel down and talk to the Lord. You may want to just sit where you are and talk to the Lord. Or maybe what God has just really spoken to you about has to do with you finding satisfaction in him. Maybe your relationship with him is not the priority that it should be. Maybe today in just a fresh way, you need to say, God, the only place I'm going to find satisfaction is in a relationship with you. I want to pray for us and then I want to invite you to stand and we're going to sing together. God, in a world where there are so many things to consume, I'm thankful for this biblical principle that you are always enough. God, the things we see all over the planet are attractive to us. They draw us in. But ultimately, everything we need is found in you. I pray that you would bring us to a place of acknowledging your sufficiency. God, that you're enough. There have been billions of people throughout history who have tried to find sufficiency in the things of this world only to be disappointed. God, we acknowledge today that you're enough. Knowing you, making you known, God, that's enough. Bring us to a deeper place of dependence. God, as some of us sing, as some of us pray, as some of us listen, would you direct this time today, I pray. In Jesus' name.